On today's episode, we're going to take a look back at 2022. What were some of the key moments, the key takeaways from over 50 episodes and interviews with many of the top thought leaders in the world on subjects such as HR and talent, remote work, burnout, purpose, technology, and the everywhere workplace, and adaptability. And that's just a few of the topics that we can fit in today. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on all around us and explore the disruptive convergence of technology, business, and people. Here are your hosts, Ira Wolf and Jason Cochran. Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization, winner of the most forward-thinking impact award from the People Forward Network. I'm Ira Wolf, and thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. And I'm Jason Cochran. If you think this is just another podcast, think again. We are the voice of the most important, crucial conversations that are confronting business leaders and people today. Our goal is to bring you ways to reimagine tomorrow and explore the impact and convergence of business, technology, and people. This episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization is sponsored by our partner, Y-Institute, your personal and professional GPS for a meaningful life and purpose-filled career. You'll hear more about Y, the Y operating system and Y-Institute in just a few minutes. On today's episode, we're gonna take a look back at 2022. What were some of the key moments, the key takeaways, from over 50 episodes and interviews with many of the top thought leaders in the world on subjects such as HR and talent, remote work, burnout, purpose, technology, and the everywhere workplace, and adaptability. And that's just a few of the topics that we can fit in today. These sound like buzzwords, but let us assure you that they are absolutely not. You And after hearing from some of our thought leaders, you will likely agree because we've got Dave Ulrich, Kate Lister, Sarah White, Jeff Blade, Jeff Abbott, just to name a few. And before we get there, we got a really important announcement. This is not our last show of the year, although it typically is, because next week we have a very special event with Stephen Kotler. He is a master at understanding human performance and its relation to aging. Uh, his topic's going to be The Secret to Growing Old but Playing Young. Uh, he's got a brand new book all about that called NAR Country. That's G-N-A-R Country. And, is, and gnarly is where that came from. Uh, we're going to be hosting that. And Stephen will be joining us on December 27th. So many of you will likely be on break but hopefully that'll give you some time to listen live, but it will also be available as a replay and as a podcast after that. So December 27th at 12.30 Eastern Standard Time, 12.30 Eastern Standard Time, uh, Stephen Kotler will be joining us to talk about his new book, Nar Country and the Secret to Growing Old but Playing Young. And I know many people, many of our listeners will probably really enjoy that one. Absolutely, Ira. I mean, it feels like Christmas is coming early between us getting to do a flashback today, almost like opening up a time capsule of everything we covered and learned this year. But then also next week on the 27th, like you said, having Stephen Kotler come to talk about this uh, ability to completely train for and think about old age in a different way and that we can retain up to 70% of our skills and abilities, contrary to what uh, many of us probably thought once before. But before we flash back to the things that we've learned this last year, it's time for that famous segment of ours, the Perfect Labor Storm segment. On each episode, we are gonna focus on just one disruptive, surprising, or worrisome trend that we believe you should know. So here is today's Perfect Labor Storm. In keeping with our flashback theme for 2022, I'm going to start with one statistic and trend that invariably gets people to say, can you repeat that? So here we go. During the 1960s and 1970s, as baby boomers came of working age and immigration was robust, nearly 2.5 million new workers entered the labor markets each year. While it dipped to below 2 million in the 1980s, the millennials came of age in the 90s and early 2000s. 
Again, we experienced unprecedented growth in the labor markets. 2.5 million new workers each year entered the labor markets during that time. By then, immigration became a political dumpster fire, baby boomers started to retire, and our birth rate declined. The result now is that today, fewer than 500,000 new workers enter the workforce each year. And that trend is likely to continue for the remainder of this decade and well into the next decade. The only immediate solution is more immigration for which our leaders in Washington and beyond have little appetite for. Consequently, recession or not, labor shortages will continue to be part of the new normal in this never normal that we're living in. Ira, what were some of the most memorable trends or stats that you heard in 2022? Well, that was certainly one of them. And, you know, I probably did a hundred podcast interviews and conferences, and that certainly was the one statistic that I shared or the one trend that I shared uh, that got the most attention. But there's so many other parts to that. So when we talk about why, you know, what the the labor markets are going to look like in the future. Uh, we're going to hit on some of those topics today because we certainly have a large number of people that have not necessarily quiet quit. We that that wasn't one of the the uh, words or the the themes today, uh, but quiet quitting uh, or some call it ambition recession. Um, people just starting to reflect on life and and you know whether you want to call it work-life balance or life-work integration, um, but talk about flexibility and uh, taking care of themselves uh, and, and not burning out and paying more attention to mental uh, health and mental awareness. Uh, so, you know, those are some of the trends, but uh, I guess from uh, something that slips by in addition to what you just shared, uh, that we just don't have a, a lot of new workers coming into the workplace, is labor participation rates have dropped. And, you know, many times it gets pointed at many people point to uh, young people and partially that's true. Uh, I think you shared a stat just yesterday with me that the largest number, the largest percentage of young people under the age of 29 in the history of, of our country uh, are living with their parents. Um, and right. therefore they have, you know, they're not buying homes. They, they're not even renting. Uh, but they are spending money on more luxury items. And if if they have, you know, I wish we were there that I didn't have a mortgage and 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 other uh, essential expenses that I can just live with someone. And that means I'd have a lot more money for, for travel, uh, for luxuries uh, and so forth. So they're still spending. They're just not spending money in the traditional way. Um, but because of that and, and then compounding that with the flexibility and uh, people looking for more balance and not waiting till they were 60 or 65 to retire and, and then being too old to enjoy life, they're enjoying life now, there is a, uh, there, you know, there's, there's a lower participation rate, both for males and females, but especially males, males without a college degree with only a high school diploma has really plummeted, but it didn't happen because of the pandemic. It's been happening for 70 years. So I think we can go down a rabbit hole of all the things we talk about with the perfect labor storm, but what you hit on, uh, certainly with lower immigration, baby boomers retiring, lower birth rate, and a much lower participation rate, the, uh, you know, the, the, the new normal is going to be a never normal. That's right. And I think one thing that we want our listeners to understand is that this isn't a thing where millennials are saying that they're ambivalent toward having kids or buying a house or a lot of those things that we often assume are kind of like a rite of passage into adulthood that many of us went through. They're not saying that they don't want to do those things. What they're saying is they can't afford to. They're saying they literally cannot afford to go out and get houses because of how expensive homes are now. That it's that uh, you know, we don't have salaries that are keeping up with inflation um, around them, and so I think it is you know a very complicated matter of saying yes, we need you know some of the younger generations certainly to participate more in the labor markets. But what we're also hearing from them is a lot of the things that traditionally we've seen, they've seen people older than them were able to spend money on and purchase at that point in their twenties and thirties. This generation of Gen Z and millennials are struggling to be able to do that. 
One of the things I think that is exciting is I just saw in the news today when it comes to the world of education, I don't think I've ever met anyone who said that we don't need to pay teachers more. That's one of the few things I think everyone agrees with is we need to respect and pay our teachers more. And I'm excited that I saw just today that there is a senator in Florida who's introducing a bill to set the minimum wage salary for teachers coming in at $60,000 across the board in the United States. Now, should be more than that, in my opinion, but it's exciting to see that at least there's one particular profession where we're trying to make sure we're adjusting for inflation and, and doing what we can to try and help with that. But all of these things, just like you said, Ira, and you predicted, just like Nostradamus 20, 30 years ago, that there was going to be a perfect labor storm and we've been right smack dab in the middle of it. And we've been very fortunate, as you're about to show us here, that we've had some of the most forward thinking, innovative guests this year that have helped guide us through it. And in many cases, I can at least speak for myself, I've done a lot of unlearning this year on things that I thought maybe were true or assumptions that I had. And these guests many times made me think again. And that's going to continue. And I'm glad you brought up about unlearning because we don't only have to learn new things and we do continuous learning, um, but we also have to unlearn a lot of the old behaviors. And we, we, we have a comment from one of our listeners, uh, Rich, and I appreciate that very much. He loved this part of the show. He loves the perfect labor store. And he asked the question is, where can I get more? Where, where can I get the past episodes? And the good news is that we have carved those out. Uh, we do post them on the our YouTube channel, which actually is my YouTube channel, but it's Ira Wolf or YouTube.com forward slash Ira Wolf. Uh, and there's a playlist for Perfect Labor Store. So each of these segments is carved out and put up there. And in the future, maybe in 2023, uh, we'll actually have a, a special stream for those and maybe post those as podcasts. But currently, each of those episodes is available uh, as an excerpt. Uh, in on a segment, and they're usually about five or six minutes long, uh, on the uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Ira Wolf, go to the Perfect Labor Storm playlist. So thank you, Rich, for bringing that up. I uh, really appreciate it. We also have uh, some other segments that are up there. Uh, I do a Future Shock 2.0 segment each week uh, with uh, on John Aiden Burns, Dig Life Deep, uh, amazing interviews he does. Uh, he's an award-winning journalist. Uh, he used to work for the New York Post and many other publications. Uh, and he has some really, really interesting uh, conversations up there. So I'd suggest you look up uh, Dig Life Deep. And also I put my segment up there, which again is like a two or three minute segment on the Future Shock uh, 2.0. So lots of lots of information out there. And uh, and again, we know some people don't have time to listen to a 50-minute podcast, so we're trying to do many smaller segments, which also brings us up to our new series. Uh, so there's so many things going on. You talk about Never Normal. Uh, we have our new series, GGG Unleashed. Uh, it was in the planning stages for much of the last year. And uh, as of the last few weeks, we had our first uh, two a few episodes. Uh, so we had Gigi Unleashed and we had Vivian Blade uh, uh, released hers. Um, better, I'm drawing a blank on the on the title of her program. Yeah, Better Leaders, Better Workplaces. That's right. And she's an expert on resilience, but she's also has a great concept and a great model for that. And then we, and she was a guest on the show as well. So you can go look at her episode. But there, there are 10 to 15 minute episodes uh, monthly episodes, and they are on the same feed, so you don't have to subscribe to anything else, but it's called GG Unleashed. And then the second one just launched uh, with Paul McCart uh, McCarthy, uh, and he was our disruptive leader. He was, he was, he's got fired from four jobs for being a good leader. Uh, and he talks about, so a very, very interesting concept there. Uh, so his just launched uh, as well this month. And then we have up uh, ones that are upcoming. We just recorded our episodes with Avanti, uh, the CEO of, of Avanti, Jeff Abbott. And we're talking about the Everywhere Workplace, which I know many people have heard about before. And I can't wait to get those out. You're going to hear a little bit of a segment on, on Jeff's uh, interview with us as well. And we, got, we have some other guests as well, some other featured guests. That's right. Absolutely. We're going to have Fama come on, uh, Amy Warren, and they're going to help us understand the mess that has become HR tech stacks 
And how do we get out of this mess and make sure that we're using the right solutions in the right way um, with our people? We have Human Works that's going to be coming in, showing us how do we build these cultures in an everywhere workplace world and do it in a healthy way that's authentic for each company. Um, so lots of exciting episodes that are coming that way. And Ira, I think we may need to trademark this whole concept of YouTube or uh, TED Talks in podcast style format. Because that's okay. exactly what these are. They're, you can basically imagine them as 15-minute TED Talks, but in podcast style. So very exciting stuff there. And now uh, this seems like a perfect time for us to begin rolling the clock back almost 52 weeks when the father of modern HR, Dave Ulrich, joined us for what is without a doubt one of the most memorable moments in the five-year history of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Check this out. I'm going to do hand gestures because they're more memorable. Talent are my fingers. <laughs> there are psychologists like Jason and my wife and others who study people. Do you have the right talent? Organization is my fist. Do you have the right culture, the right workplace, workforce, workplace? And third is leadership. When HR is at that mythical table, whatever that is, what do we contribute? The right people, the right organization, and the right leadership. All three become essential. I call that human capability. Human is the talent, organization is the capability, and leadership. By the way, here's the most embarrassing thing. I try to help business leaders in HR remember it. So I say, think talent, organization, leadership, and then your forearms represent the HR systems that sustain it. So now you've got talent, organization, leadership, and you can do the HR wave. That's embarrassing. It's stupid. It makes me look like a fool, which is fine because I often am. But that's the second agenda. Number one, HR is not about HR. It's about success in the marketplace. Number two, through talent, organization, and leadership. And number three is my forearms, by reinventing HR, by getting HR to live up to its opportunity in today's world. It's as good now as it was 52 weeks ago. Uh, it is one of the highlights that we've had. In fact, somebody posted it, just uh, commented on that on LinkedIn again, of how they loved that segment uh, because we had posted uh, a little longer portion of that uh, on uh, last year after it came out. And uh, people love that, but it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's memorable and it's a great story. It absolutely is. And it's exciting to also see, Ira, that at that time, um, nearly a year ago when he did it, they hadn't necessarily released the findings yet or the research behind that model he just shared. Well, now it's out. In fact, just a, about a month or two ago that he, he started pushing this out, he and his colleague, Norm Smallwood, and then they're working with some, some other groups as well on the research for this model of human capability. And they just pushed that out. And so here in a little bit, what I'll do is, is put the link, drop it in there uh, in the chat where you can check it out but they're calling it the, the G3 of human capability. Those three Gs stand for governance, guidance, and growth. And it's grounded in research that they've done on thousands of companies to see what the right human capability model is that not only is right for internal stakeholders, the people who are working, what brings them purpose, fulfillment, helps them to be productive and efficient, but also delivers value to external stakeholders as well. Um, so your customers, shareholders, people in the community as well. And so it's really exciting just to see the nexus of that. Um, we're, we got to be on the front end to hear some of those things with him, like in the clip you just shared, Ira, but it's also to see how that has evolved now um, and how this fall they were able to push out a lot of the research and findings that support the things that they've just shared is actually how HR is going to be moving forward and that that is what uh senior level executives expect for hr to be able to deliver on we got a number of things going on where our, our uh, comment section is is pretty active today uh by by the way going back to uh rich uh, the he mentioned he wanted to know where to get the playlist again i did post it in the chat so anybody who's following the comments on uh, LinkedIn or YouTube or Facebook can most likely see those if you can't. It's perfect. It's the youtube.com forward slash Ira Wolf and look for the playlist Perfect Labor Storm. Uh, Rich also suggested we write a book about it. And I wrote two, uh, Rich, uh, 2004, 2007. Uh, so the information, what was then 
is what's happening now. So I wish I could, as Jason said, I was Nostradamus. I wish I could predict my stocks as well as I can predict the labor market. So many of the trends, many of those were trends. I can't say they were predictions, but they were trends and they continued to, to move forward like that. So if you look up a perfect labor storm, uh, you'll, you can pick up a copy of, of, of the book and go to the website there as well. But it is a great idea and maybe we can knock out another uh, a, a sequel to that so we can have three perfect labor storms. We also got a great comment from John uh, Aiden Byrne, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, I'm a, he's a, well, he's a good friend of the show. My Future Shock 2.0 series is on his Dig Life Deep, but he also has brought us uh, we hosted in, in, and he was a moderator on it. We worked with the Odeon Capital Group, uh, and and he has a podcast, a really really good podcast called Odeon Capital Conversations, and uh, it's with Dick Beauvais. Many of you might be familiar with Dick uh, if you watch any of the financial channels. He's on Bloomberg and CNBC and um, at CNN and a lot of the other shows talking about. Uh, the finances and, the, and Wall Street and, and the economy. Uh, he's been doing it for 50 years. But the latest episode of Odeon Capital, which I haven't had a chance to look at, but John reminded me, is Dick Reviews, uh, talks about our demographic crisis and the economic impact and what it's going to mean for not only investors, um, but you know, translate that. If, if it's bad for investors, it's bad for the economy uh, and it's going to be bad for employers as well. So this demographic crisis, similar to climate change that everybody's ignored for years and years and years is starting to catch up and uh, recession or not, you know, un unemployment may tick up a little bit. Uh, we may have some more layoffs. Uh, it may ease the unemployment, but as soon as the economy picks up again, uh, even if it's just moderate, the labor shortages are not going away. I found this clip when I was looking for some when I was making sure all the the clips that we're going to show today are going to work, and can't believe we're like halfway through the show already, Jason, um, because we want to get to to the other to our other thought leaders. But this just stuck out, and I I'm going to apologize for the gentleman who recorded this, and I think this was from the 1960s or 70s, as you will see. But it's a really really short clip on about what is normal. Well, let me run it here. <laughs> Normal was uh, was a was a kind of uh, of thing decided by the group, and uh, and uh, it was also something that your parents, your parents, your teachers, any voice of authority would tell you to be. Uh, if you misbehaved, you weren't normal, uh, and and the idea of normal is a, it, uh, is a kind of vegetative state where nothing happens. Love that definition. Normal is a vegetative state where nothing happens. Um, and many people are comfortable with that, the status quo. We're going to talk about adaptability, and you hear a lot about that every single week. And that's certainly our passion, you know, part of our, our model of everyone needs to be adapt. But I, I, I love that quote uh, and his expression. And so people have been talking about that, about how people don't like change for a long time. It's much further back than the 1960s. But I, I, I love that quote. I apologize to whoever that was. Uh, that did that. I'll, I'll look up the name and maybe we can get it into the notes. Yeah. And I think a lot of people with the vegetative state, they're probably picturing that they probably feel more like they're the vegetables in the boiling pan on the stove with all the change That's a good that analogy, happened this yeah. last year. But right. uh, no doubt about it, adaptability has been a big theme this year. And also remote work too has been a big one. And I think that might actually queue up our next guest here, but that's been certainly a very hot topic this last year is remote hybrid work and where and how people are working. Yeah, we're going to hear from Kate Lister. Uh, she was on the show. Can't believe it. It's almost six or seven months ago that she uh, that we had the podcast with her. But uh, here's Kate. Uh, first of all, every organization is unique. So I can't say, you know, you, everybody should be doing remote or doing hybrid. And I've never honestly been a, a big supporter of all remote. It's that it's that. Uh, um, combination that works. And traditionally, before the pandemic, it's been about two and a half days a week is optimal. And where, we're, where we are right now is about managers want people in the office three to five days a week. Employees want to be in at home three to five days a week. And it'll probably meet somewhere in that middle. Uh, there's about 20% of the workforce that wants to work from home full time. 
and there's about 20%, 25% of the workforce that wants to be in the office full time. So it's, it's, it's that middle ground. But the problem is the same that it's been since Jack Nillis invented the term telework and telecommuting back in the 1970s. Um, it's that managers simply don't trust their employees to work untethered. And that's not a remote work problem. That's a management problem. Remote work is a management problem. Uh, I think she hit the nail on the head there, Ira. And and for those who, who may not be familiar yet with Kate's work, um, she's the CEO of Global Workplace Analytics. We'll drop the, the email address here in a little bit or the, the website in the box. But you should listen to Kate, number one, because she's brilliant. Uh, she, she's one of the most brilliant minds on the planet when it comes to understanding work trends and understanding remote work and how to set that up for success in organizations. But number two, uh, she was invited to speak to both uh, uh, chambers of Congress this last year as they were grappling with and trying to understand at a macro level, how does this impact the economy? How does this impact the future of work? Um, so it's not just, you know, that she's she's brilliant and she knows and gets results. It's that even our country, when it's when when they're asking the highest level leaders of how do we understand this concept of how the workplace is changing and what does the future of work look like? She was one of the first people that the federal government looked to to start providing answers. Yeah, and she has a new white paper. Uh, there's the uh, continual flow of research that comes out of her, but there's a, she has a new white paper. So if uh, you go up to the website or just search for Kate Lister uh, remote work, and she shows up all over the place in, in Google, and you'll be able to find that. And Jason will uh, hopefully be able to find uh, the link in and put that in the chat, and we'll make sure that's in the show notes uh, as well. Uh, but yeah, remote work, hybrid work, in-person, uh, you can hear a little bit more about some of the angles of, of that, uh, is, is also here to stay. And I, I think when we go back to statistics, though, and trends, Jason, what, one thing that we need to look at is realize that even at its peak, uh, during the pandemic, we had about 50 to 60% of people were working remote, but th that, that wasn't necessarily ideal. I, at the most, currently, under the circumstances of what work can be done, where are we with technology? Where are we with um, just internet access and, uh, and the tools that we need? About 40% of our workforce can be remote. 60% still has to show up to physically to do the to work, to do the jobs. Uh, maybe at some point we'll have autonomous vehicles and somebody can sit on a sofa in their basement and run, run the cars, uh, but we're not there yet. So we need people that can do those jobs. Um, but so a lot of the, the emphasis is on remote work and hybrid work, but the reality is there's still about 60% of jobs that cannot be done at this point in time uh, remotely. So a lot of attention gets directed to that. But I guess the big, another big trend and stat was prior to the pandemic, 2% of the workforce was remote and many of those were salespeople. It's wow. now about 20%. Wow. So we had, we, we had a tenfold increase uh, just over that period of time and they're not going back. Um, they're, they're not going to go back. So I uh, appreciate Kate. And Kate's going to be part of a panel that we're going to have, one of our events, one of the new uh, events that we're going to be planning for 2023. Uh, I believe that's going to be in February. And uh, that's going to be one of our first ones talking about some of the trends on workplace and culture uh, and the impact that remote work is having on that. So, yep, absolutely. Great point, Ira. And one more thing on that with the, the whole concept of tethered work that you just brought about and get, that Kate mentioned also. The other aspect to that that actually came from another guest we have was Kara Saletto, and she said that there's this, this concept of tethered pay. And so that's something that's also going to be happening, which is organizations may have to pay folks more um, who have to be at a specific location during specific times in order to get those those folks to do those types of jobs. So lots of layers to this idea of remote work and tethered pay. I hope our listeners are having uh, such a, as good a time as, as you and I, at least as I am, and I'll, I can speak from you, Jason, hopefully you are as well. I mean, this is, this is fun. Uh, and we have a couple more uh, guest thought leaders that we want to review, but it is time to take a quick break. So you're going to hear, uh, we're going to hear a little bit about adaptability, hear a little bit about the Y Institute, uh, and we will be right back. But thank you for listening to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Uh, we're talking about flashbacks from 2022 and stay tuned. We'll be right 
back in about two minutes. For most of us, change is freaking terrifying. And unfortunately, there's no app to adapt. That might change in the not-so-distant future. But for now, we're on our own. That means we can either accept our default future or reimagine our tomorrow. For those of you who choose default, good luck. Just remember, there's no pause button for change. You can't turn back the clock. And there's no get-out-of-jail-free card in this age of perpetual uncertainty. Like it or not, change will happen all around us. And that change is not becoming just more disruptive and frequent, but volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, or VUCA. Fortunately, you can make change work for you and turn it into your personal and competitive advantage. Reimagine your future to one in which you're living with purpose, you're happy, and you're growing, thriving, and flourishing. If you're ready to rewrite your next life chapter and regain control of your destiny, in this never normal world, your journey starts here. Contact the leader in adaptability and making change work for you, your team, and your organization. Ira S. Wolf, adaptability.expert. There's a certain kind of coach who believes what we believe, who leads people to greatness who gets people unstuck, who unlocks all of your passion. A coach who helps people discover what drives them to tap into their superpowers. Then knowing your why is the first step to untap potential, to focus, to breakthroughs. A coach who's looking for a better way are you that coach? Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Thanks for being part of Googleization Nation. If you're not part of Googleization Nation yet, please follow us. Uh, you can simply go to googleizationnation.com on the upper right. Uh, just click on it. We just get your first name and an email, and you'll be on our mailing list and get uh, all the new updates that we have. Our blog will be uh, – we have a new geekskeezersandgoogleization.com website that will be going up, and – uh, the newsletters uh, will also be posted as blogs right there, which also reminds me, uh, going back to the comment that was made earlier about where can we find perfect labor storm trends and stats. Uh, Jason, you started to post an uh, article uh, in your newsletter, in our newsletter each week. Uh, you started to post those uh, the facts, uh, the trends and the stats that we use in perfect labor storm. So they are available. Uh, they will be available on our blog uh, geek skeezers and Googleization. They're not quite there yet. So right now, only place you can get those is listening to the whole podcast uh, or you or the beginning of the podcast. Hopefully you'll listen to the rest or you can go up and listen to the segments on uh, Geek Skeezers or on the uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Ira Wolf. We've covered HR talent, HR and talent, and we covered remote work, but another hot keyword for the year was burnout. So we're going to hear from Sarah White from Aspect 43. And I think most of us, quite honestly, don't know how to call what is happening to us burnout. And so for me, that number of 50 to 64% at the end, I think is actually probably much higher, but people don't know that what burnout is. Um, and so they just assume it's a normal level of stress that is happening to them, or they're just feeling overwhelmed or some of the other factors of it. Like the, the conversation of burnout as something within kind of our language is really so, so new outside of it being for the like upper echelon of employees. Totally agree with that. And that was such a good episode. And, and that reminds me, Ira, we, we actually were going through the insights at work report that Sarah's company, Aspect 43, had just released. And so, again, we'll drop their website here in the chat in just a minute where you can go sign up and get a copy of that report. But they do tremendous research around that. And I, I think what was really interesting over this last year is burnout wasn't just something on the fringe. It really became part of the everyday nomenclature, Ira, for everyone. Mm -hmm. Regardless of whether you were a frontline employee, if you were a senior level executive, if you're an investor, 
burnout now is a term that pretty much everyone understands or has experienced or seen someone else experience now. And hopefully from that, uh, the, the positive that has come from it is that we are starting to move away from the just push through it mentality and into more of the, okay, if I'm starting to notice some signs here, whether it be in myself or some others, what can you do to help get this better? Because it really is something that has to be treated and taken care of. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and I think you're, there's, we still have a long hill to climb, uh, mountain to climb for sure. But I think the, the, the fact that burnout or stress is no longer carries the extreme stigma that it did in the past that it was a sign of weakness and vulnerability, or maybe you're not cut out to do that. Uh, there are certainly, there are certain jobs that obviously that we need to be resilient and gritty and have that, but there is a breaking point that everybody has and it's different and recognizing that. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you just lighten up and you tiptoe around people and, and you walk on eggshells. It means that there's better way to manage. There's better environments. Uh, and sometimes it's it's just giving people a break. It's not once every quarter you get a Friday afternoon off. Uh, and the, the movement toward four-day work weeks is strong, but, uh, and this will be a conversation that I'm bound to have either here or on Dig Life Deep on my future shock segment uh, about uh, the four-day work week because headlines keep saying it's coming back uh, there, and there's more and more companies that are adopting it. Problem was four-day work week, was, what does that mean? Is it the same four days? Four-day work week doesn't mean you have to show up in the office. It just means that you work for four days. Uh, it, it, there's so many variations of the four-day work week that just saying it's a four-day work week, which means that you can work, is, is it four days of eight-hour days and the fifth day you don't have to work and get paid for it? Uh, or is it four 10-hour days? And so everybody has their own theory of how they're modeling this four-day work week, which isn't, my point is, it's not eliminating the stress and the burnout. If you have to do four days of work, five days of work in four days, that's not a relief of stress and burnout. That's not necessarily addressing the problem unless you think through all these collaterals. So we can go on that all day. That's going to be a different show. Um, but it, but but there's a lot there. So, but let's move into some of the, how do we resolve this? How, how can companies help? And, and everyone knows that adaptability and why is, is a key part of our focus. You heard about that during the, the commercial break, uh, but we had Jeff Blade on just a few weeks ago. Uh, and Jeff's been, he, he's really a, a, turnover, a turnaround CEO and some of the, 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 the most positive turn turnarounds. He's now with Herf Jones, but uh, he had been with Matilda, Matilda Jane. Uh, he had started out with shake, uh, steak and shake. Um, so there's, he's got a strong, a long history of doing this and, and here's how he did it. Uh, and, and it might be interesting for people to say, how does he help deal with turnover and stress and burnout? What I've gravitated to is the concept of purpose. And so rather than a mission, vision, values, et cetera, what, it, what I've tried to do is create a, a statement of purpose. Why do we really exist? What's our why? And I'm a big fan of uh, the work of uh, uh, an individual named Bob Quinn and Anjan Thakur. Uh, they're professors at the University of Michigan and they've written extensively on purpose. Uh, they wrote a book a few years ago called The Economics of Higher Purpose. And in there, they make the they make the thesis, which which I fully ascribe to, which is identifying purpose is harder. You actually have to tease it out because it isn't, it, you know, purpose. Every organization has its purpose. But how do you really tease it out and recognize it? And when you do and when you can when you can crystallize it, you get this one plus one uh, equals three multiplier because people want to be part of something bigger than themselves and they want to come to work knowing that they're doing work that actually matters, not just not just making a living or making other people wealthy. Love that episode, uh, Ira. I mean, Jeff was so good, and, and it's and it's so nice sometimes, you know, to to not only have the folks who do the research, but also to have the folks like Jeff who are the CEOs and the organization that have to take the theory and actually have to apply it with real people um, and do the simulation. 
And that's one of the things that stuck with me from that episode when he said purpose is a one plus one equals three multiplier. And it made me think of the work that Liz Wiseman has done on how you are a leader that helps multiply impact in your organization too. But I remember one of the lines too that he shared that really stuck with me that he said whenever he he comes into company as a new CEO, one of the first things he says in the meeting to everyone is that what you're going to see over time is that I have your best interests at heart. Sometimes I think we overcomplicate things, Ira, when it comes to everything we need to do in the workplace with our people. Sometimes it boils down to just a simple statement like that and then backing it up by asking simple questions to get to know someone on a personal level, to show that you care. And it was refreshing to hear, because um, we we talk about this stuff all the time and, and many of our other guests too, but to actually hear a CEO of these larger companies say that's how he approaches the work and that people are the most important part of the business, it was refreshing to hear that. Oh, for sure. And uh, and again, very genuine, very humble about it, uh, having that conversation. Uh, and, you know, it's it's so critically important. I mean, it sounds so simple. It's like, how do you relate that? And, and we talk about that all the time with the four principles of connection of does, and, and we talk about this in the ACE model for the, the adaptability quotient. On the environmental side, which is the E from ACE, do, do the employees feel that the company has their back? Do the employees feel their team has their back? Pretty, pretty basic stuff. Um, it's a simple question. And if, you know, if you don't have high ratings for that, then it's an area to work on. And one of the universal solutions that people seem to have, and there's no magic bullet, is having, understanding what, what people value. What do they want at the end of the day? And and it's typically more than paying the bills. Why do people work? And most people are going to say, pick up a paycheck. But what do they do with the paycheck? You know, what's their dream if they had a huge paycheck? You know, is it educating their kids? Is it moving to a, you know, having a better community? Uh, is it contributing back? Is it having more time to, to be able to give to church or hobby or schooling or whatever it is? Is People want to work, but it's what's next. If they had if they had no mortgage and no bills and no expenses, what would they do? And maybe not work as hard, but they would still work. And that's the point. We got to be sensitive to time here. So Jeff, uh, well, all, all our thought leaders, we've got to thank. Uh, but we have another Jeff. Uh, Jeff Abbott, and we just interviewed him. Many of you haven't even seen this portion. He was on our show, so some of the thoughts were the same, but this is a clip from uh, the, the new GGG Unleashed podcast called Connect and Protect. It's part of that new series, and this, will, this is a short clip that came from that uh, recording just the other day. Gone are the days of, of you know, being able to inventory your people. They're all coming into the office. The hardware they use, that's also coming into the office. And, uh, and the software that they utilize, all of that was, was relatively in a controlled environment in, in our sort of historic work dynamic. Going forward, all bets are off. Uh, your people are distributed everywhere. And even when they're you know, so in the so-called everywhere workplace, that could mean that uh, on a Tuesday they're working uh, in this location, and then on a Thursday or Friday, they're in this location, you know, and that, that might be different countries. We're seeing that in some cases. Um, and then the, you know, to your point, the solutions they use and the hardware they're using to connect into the network and to get access to their core systems to do their job is constantly evolving. So when we talk about everywhere workplace and what's required there, it requires a tremendous amount of flexibility, as I said earlier, but also tight oversight. Right. And this is where your systems and your platform on which you manage your IT environments is is becoming more and more critical all the time. Don't think for one second that the bad actors out there in the in the cyber terror uh, realm aren't paying close attention to all these new opportunities that are being presented to them, whether it's people being transient in how they work, the the, the devices with which we're we're now allowing to connect to the network, including, you know, watches and and cell phones and pads, iPads and everything else. It just that, you know, it it's a clever, creates an ever increasing number of variables with which IT departments have to manage and manage very, very tightly. 
when I was introduced to Avanti earlier in this year, and one of the benefits of doing the podcast, you get to talk to a lot of really, really cool people. And so I got to know Jeff a little bit. I, I, they released two white papers, uh, and they were on the importance of the digital employee experience. So go up to the Avanti website, uh, and they have a white paper on the everywhere workplace, and there's another one on uh, the digital employee experience and the import importance of that. So, but as he was talking, we we're talking about the hardware. So as we go through these conversations about remote work, hybrid work, people coming back into the workplace, they're carrying some of their own devices. They're 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 wearing a smartwatch. Uh, they have their smartphones. They're attaching to your network. You can't stop them from. You, you got to facilitate that, but you got to protect them. So it's how do you connect people and how do you protect people? We talk about the emotional aspects of connection. They're talking talking about the technical aspects, the technology aspects of connection, they're critically important. And for companies that say, listen, we're not big enough to deal with all the cybersecurity stuff and this hacking. We have to, we have confidential information. We have to have this privacy. The problem with that is they're not going to get enough people to come to work. That they have to figure this out is how do they protect their, how do they protect their data and how do they protect their employees when they're working remote, or even if they go to this three, two day or a two, three week or a four day work week, and they can work Fridays from home. There's always, there's always something that they, that, that there's a device that's going to be connected that may not be, that device may not be protected. And so it creates a vulnerability and an open access. So we, we got a long way to go and it's another aspect, but uh, can't wait to hear more of what, uh, Jeff and his team are going to share about how do we connect and protect people through technology, but refreshing for Jeff as a CEO, similar to Jeff Blade, it's people first. That's it absolutely is. Yep, absolutely. And it is refreshing to hear that because that's what it's going to take in the future of work to make sure that you're protecting and connecting people. And I think that one of the stats I saw was in terms of security risks, that's increased over the last year by three or 400%. Um, so it's just going to continue to bombard all of us in all aspects of our life. So security is of the utmost importance. And this rolls right into thinking about um, building for tomorrow. Um, Jason Pfeiffer of Entrepreneur Magazine was who we had on just last week. And I, that's who we're going to be hearing from here uh, in the very last clip that we share with the audience today. What can we do? to make sure that we don't have to wait for a crisis in order to push us to recognize that there are better ways to do the things that we're most comfortable doing? Simple question. What can we do to, uh, to not wait until there's another crisis? Because we live in this VUCA world, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. We live in this never normal. And there's always going to be a level of ambigu ambiguity, uncertainty, complexity, uh, and you know, we, we keep waiting. It's like we're, we're, we're waiting for the end of the pandemic so we can take a breath. And meanwhile, there's so many other events. And this this week, there'll be this cold, this blizzard, this cold, the, the coldest temperatures on record, you know, moving through. Um, what's next? I mean, it could be climate. It could be war. It could be terrorism. Um, it could, you know, hopefully there's some good things along there, but there's so many disruptions and distractions that are constantly having that it's impossible to get everybody's a hundred percent of everybody's attention all the time. That's right. And one of the things that stuck with me with Jason was, um, this ability to, to focus, to under, to understand what are the things you're, you're focusing on that are most important. And he framed it this way. He said, the question that you need to ask yourself all the time is what's this for? And the example he gave was his podcast. Well, it started off as something that was, you know, great for generating lead magnets, but eventually over time, it became something that was more about learning from other people um, to be able to then deliver better products and services to people. But the example he gave that has to do with what's this for was from someone that maybe one day, Ira, will get on the show, a professional wrestler known as Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And what he shared was that The Rock when he thinks about what's this for, it ties into this question he asks himself also, or this belief in that he wants his life to be a 10 lane freeway when it comes to joy in his life. And so one of the first lanes was football. Another lane was professional wrestling. Another lane was acting. 
Another lane has been investing in businesses like the XFL. Another lane is starting his own businesses like his tequila company. So he's got five to six lanes filled up, but in his life, he wants to fill up 10 lanes and all of those things have to do with bringing him and other people joy. And so just a refreshing reminder that we need to constantly ask ourselves when we're looking at the activities that we engage in, what's this for? And if it's not connected to something that's a higher purpose, that's driving the legacy and impact and transformation we want to have in the world, then it may cause us to maybe need to rethink those things. Right. And we'll give a, I'll give a shout out to Shed Chedleski, who was also on the show. And he talks about, it's about fulfillment. What can you do to fulfill your life? What can you do to help others fulfill their life? It's not necessarily about giving them purpose. Is, is that purpose fulfilling? Because so many people have these mission statements and personal value statements and whys, but they still aren't happy. And it's not, so he says, it's not about happiness. It's about fulfillment. And, and Shed will be, you'll hear him on a clip or you'll probably hear him again on, on the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. I'm sure he'll be on one of the events, um, but uh, look him up. Uh, and his new book is hopefully going to be out next year. Awesome. And so Ira, I can't believe we've already come through to the end of today's episode, but uh, what fun that was. And hopefully you enjoyed it to our audience of going through some of the highlights of some episodes that we had this year and some of the things that we learned or unlearned along the way from some of these thought leaders. Um, and so with that, I'm Jason Cochran and want to thank you for tuning in this year and each and every week to our episodes of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform, please do so. Also drop us a rating and review if you'd be so kind. And also um, please join Googleization Nation. It's our free community that we keep you plugged in with a newsletter, with the latest events and things that we have to offer to keep you plugged into the future of work. And certainly a lot has changed in 2022 and we're looking forward to 2023. So until next time, I'm Jason Cochran signing off. And I'm Ira Wolf. Special thanks again to Y Institute for partnering with us and sponsoring this episode. Uh, special, again, lots of thanks to all the, the thought leaders who we featured today. And for those who we didn't uh, watch for it, we're going to continue uh, doing a series like this and, and putting four or five people together. Uh, so watch for those. Uh, remember, December 27th, this is not the final, our final episode for the year, December 27th. 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Stephen Kotler. We're going to be talking about aging and human performance. So many of you will likely want to be on to, to listen to that show. Hopefully you can be live. Uh, if not, it will be replay and as well on uh, one of the podcasts. You can register for that by going to googleizationnation.com. And there is a webinar tab and click, just click on it. I'll take you to the, to the page and you can register for uh, Stephen Kotler's interview uh, and uh, all about his new book, NAR Country. Thank you for, again, thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. Thank you for listening. And until next time, don't let the shift hit your plans.